Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan tells me what Republicans will focus on if they win back the House. I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, Jordan also slams the aggressively political actions of the Justice Department and FBI. Follow the Sarah Carter Show wherever you get your podcasts. Rights, immigration, foreign policy, and marriage. Folks, these subjects are a big part of political dialogue today, and we talk about them often on my show. They're at the heart of so many campaigns this election. But what did our founding fathers say about these issues? We've moved so far from the founders' understanding of government that you'll be surprised by their answers. Right now, my favorite college, Hillsdale College, has the best way to learn about the founders' deep and wise insights into human nature. Join Hillsdale professors Thomas West and David Azarad as they explore the thoughts and ideas of America's founders in Hillsdale's newest free online course, The Real American Founding, A Conversation. So what are you waiting for? The midterm elections are right around the corner, and you need to understand the founders' thoughts about the pressing issues of their and our time. Visit DanaForHillsdale.com to watch the trailer video of The Real American Founding, A Conversation, and sign up for this new, completely free online course. That's DanaForHillsdale.com. DanaForHillsdale.com. Is the White House worried that um, Donald Trump's going to be allowed back on Twitter? Oh, I can't even speak to that. Um, I know that people, uh, I know there's a lot of conversations about Elon Musk uh, uh, taking over Twitter. I can't speak to any transaction. Uh, I can't speak to any business decision uh, that he has, that he's going to make or has made. Uh, that is something that a pri- that's a private company uh, platform. This administration is uh, upset that they, after Elon Musk purchases Twitter, they no longer actually have full control of the narrative. It's actually a little sad. Um, matter of fact, Biden was even saying this over the weekend. Listen to this. It's one thing to condemn the violence, but you can't condemn the violence unless you condemn those people who continue to argue the election was not real, that it's being stolen, that all the, all the malarkey that's being put out there to undermine democracy. But it is about, they want to control the narrative, though. I feel like we should be really calm today and really kooky, just like super, like not like how we are normally, because it's Halloween. I'm dressed as a serial killer in case anybody wanted to know. No, I got a good time for that. This is crazy right now. It's been a crazy weekend. Welcome to Monday. You know what, though? I thought, first off, it's your hostess, Dana Lash here with you. I you know, could dress up, you know, you, there's a, there's a, it's probably too soon to say it, but I'm going to do it. There's um probably, I think there's a really, you could get like a two for one costume out of just like a pair of underwear at this point between Paul Pelosi and Hunter Biden. Well, that's just like the add on for Paul Pelosi. Just keep that to the side. You know what I mean? Like if you can't find a hammer, maybe you have a red scarf and you can go as Hunter Biden. <sighs> Where to even start? So we are, Really, just midterms is just next week. And we have, I got a ton of stuff to get you ready for midterms. And obviously, of course, today is, it's uh, All Hallows Eve. It's a Christian holiday that took some fun stuff and put it in there. That's it. So stop. It's All Saints Day. So I'm not even going to listen to everybody who wants to weep and gnash their teeth at me about it. Good grief. I'm a former goth kid. It's not going to work. Retired goth kid. All right. So first up. The president is apparently he's going to be making a statement later today about the 
I'm just going to read it. Reports of oil companies profiting while not lowering pump prices. Now, Kane, don't fall out of your damn chair. We're not even halfway through the first segment here. Good, you you can't you can't do it already because I've got more that you will do that over. So that is that's that's one of the things that we'll be we'll be watching for. Uh, the we I feel like we've had this discussion a ton. So th- this the, this issue and then the issue of Twitter. I've been following a lot what's been happening with Twitter in addition to the great hammering. Can I just say one more thing? Paul Pelosi gets hammered a lot. Anyway, but I'm, I wish I had a drum kit. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to watch the, uh, for the president's remarks, blaming oil companies for everything. But the other thing, too, uh, the situation with Twitter. So Elon Musk takes over. Twitter people are all upset. They announce that they're going to consider charging for, well, I'm going to believe this when I read it. He did, Elon Musk did, like over the summer, float the idea of charging power users as a way to help eliminate bots so that's you know very much could be a real thing uh but however twenty dollars a month that's what this uh, digital rag called the verge reported not even quite sure what i i would rather allow mine to lapse now apparently the uh, he, he has floated the idea before but it was only like a couple of bucks like 4.99 this was, like I said, over the summer, and it's been, this has kind of been coming up again over the past week or so, but this one digital outlet said, no, they're considering charging $20 a month to have your, uh, your blue check, which Twitter abused that so much, and they treated it like a status symbol instead of a way to make sure that the person talking is actually the person talking. It is so ridiculous. I wouldn't pay for it. And the continuation of that with uh, let me pull this other thing up as well he had also tweeted out that apparently they were really hiding a lot of information as it pertained to bots and so he may actually have a legitimate lawsuit against them and get a big chunk of his money back we're going to go over that a little bit more in depth later on so a lot of stuff to get into today in addition to the great hammering and in addition to the latest with midterms and media bias and gender and some wokery and also coming up this piece over at the atlantic i am furious over this i have something coming out to you on the newsletter which i'm considering suspending by the way uh the newsletter coming up it's from the atlantic it's called let's declare a pandemic amnesty no and on moving on (laughs) nope sorry maybe a reckoning but not an amnesty it's like magnificent seven you know (laughs) i'd like forgiveness but i'll take a reckoning so the uh, first thing, first things first, because this has been just the biggest news story of the day. What the hell are two men doing in their underwear with a hammer in the middle of the night? I can now, when Elon Musk tweeted a response to to Nan- or not Nancy Pelosi to Hillary Clinton about this, Hillary Clinton has has made up all kinds of stuff. No one says anything. Elon Musk says, "Well, you know, there's there's a lot of room here for other theories." I forget how he worded it, and I don't care. And everyone immediately freaks out. The New York Times wrote a piece that he was promoting, already promoting conspiracy theories. And they're going to be even more hyper-ridiculous, all of the legacy press, simply because they feel like they have to step into that gap that was created. They have to rush to control the conversations because they were relying on Twitter to do so for a really long time. And to understand that, you know, you have to kind of understand how all of this came to be 
going into uh, the even before midterms of 2012, conservatives were really, really active on social media platforms, particularly Twitter, and we were gaining a lot of ground. In fact, the left had to create this thing called Netroots and organize back then in order to figure out a way to to counter the conservative push and momentum on digital platforms. And that was before the algorithms were really starting were were were, were implemented uh, very biased against conservatives, so as to help control the uh con- the conversations i'm also getting tired of saying the narrative because it's not even the narrative anymore it's about controlling conversations this is about controlling what people can say to each other it's about controlling what people can think about a certain issue it's about not even so much controlling th- the narrative i think we need to stop saying this i think it's about controlling conversations mm-hmm. ultimately and so they when when social media began implementing these algorithms and began controlling all of this they didn't i think the press they're still biased but i don't think that they need they felt like they had to be like hyper biased about it and so they sort of i i think they just kind of stepped back and let twitter and facebook and instagram etc handle the vast majority of it but now if they feel as though that the lever is not in their control now they're going to be hyper ridiculous about it I'm just, it's all just coinciding at the most perfect time, is it not? Super, super wonderful. Yeah, all he said was, all Musk said was, there's a tiny possibility that there may be more to the story than meets the eye. You think? You got an old dude standing in his underwear with another dude who was led in by another person. This does not seem like just a regular break-in. Sorry, but I'm just, it just doesn't seem like it. It, it seems weird. And people can say, oh, well, he was probably asleep in his house. Who, then who let him in? Who let the guy in? And there were reports that the guy was working as a male prostitute. Do you have to say male prostitute? I mean, can you just work as a prostitute? Right? Why do you have to say, oh, no, male prostitute? Like, that's different than a female. I mean, he's, yeah, he's a dude who's providing, he's a really, you know, you know what he's doing. But it's weird. I saw Spider-Man meme, you know, the, the meme where the Spider-Man, one Spider-Man points at the other Spider-Man and they're standing beside the van. Well, they're both in their underwear pointing at each other. And they're there. It's the Paul Pelosi and the hammer guy. There's a lot of information out about this guy. I mean, the family's spoken out. He apparently lived in a van down by the river. Maybe not down by the river, but he lived in a van. And it definitely does not sound because the media ran to make this like it was mega, mega extreme. And they were the ones who did it. But there's actually no evidence that that that's the case. You know, there's no evidence that's the case at all. I mean, the guy tweeted a bunch of stuff about his hate of Republicans. And I mean, I just think it's stupid that we have to sit here and try to validate whether or not we should care about something that happened based upon someone's politics. I mean, I don't want nobody busting up in anybody's house, but I do think it's really weird that two dudes were in their underwear and apparently wrestling over the same hammer and that cops walked in. They were also let in and they found these two dudes squaring off and then they were wrestling over the hammer. And it just doesn't seem to have all of the hallmarks that one would think of when someone busts up into your house and breaks into your home. Furthermore, there are there are cameras around the entire perimeter of the Pelosi's home. So I just got a lot of questions. I mean, is there the potential that he was meeting up with this dude as a prostitute? Yeah. I mean, I mean, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it could be a hammer wielding prostitute in his underwear. Who knows? Could very well be that. But I just think it's insane that you have you can't even ask that question. You can't question anything. We got a bunch of audio that we're going to be playing later on. I just want to get you kind of set up right now that gets into because the the 911 call was weird. There was a bunch of weird stuff uh, about all of this. So we're going to talk. We're going to get into it now. Furthermore. 
a couple of other things to hit here. Uh, the Texas Tribune, ahead of uh, midterms, tweeted out this today. Quote, federal law bars churches and other nonprofit groups from endorsing candidates or helping to fundraise, but we know they regularly sidestep or flat out ignore these rules. Help us identify examples. So calling all snitches, the Texas Tribune wants you to come and snitch on your fellow comrades. Do you hear progressives in Texas? The Texas Tribune would like for you to come and snitch. Are you attending a church where they're telling you not to vote for Democrats? Are they going to get... It's weird because if there was a Raphael Warnock in Texas, I have a feeling the Texas Tribune were loving, would love him. Yeah. They don't got no problem with those kind of reverends, just saying. I mean, if they want to sit here and... I mean, are they going to go after black churches for being politically active i mean who are they going to go after temples for being where are they going to go i just think this is a real bad look for them that's not journalism that is snitchery that's what that is it bars federal law bars non-profit you know what the whole thing is they're just mad because they don't pay tax because they do more for the community than the texas tribune does that's all it is golly you like the werewolf guys for those who are watching the simulcast of the nationally syndicated radio show, we got a werewolf up in the back. It's been a crazy week, man. Crazy, crazy week. And we're going to get into all of the, the uh, hammer-wielding, underwear-wearing antics of it. I'm not ever going to let this go. I'm just not. I'm just, I'm, I'm 12. So we have that on the way. Uh, like I said, Stephen Yates is going to be joining us as he does to break down some of the latest. Some weird little headlines cropped up over the weekend. We're going to talk to him about it. I got a lot of midterms for you. Uh, a, a number of groceries that are going to be in short, short supply or soon maybe. You want to pay attention to that list. I'll have that for you as well. Never run out of coffee by joining the club with Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle Coffee Company was built upon the mission to serve coffee and culture to people who love America. As a veteran-owned company, Black Rifle Coffee Company delivers on that promise by developing explosive roast profiles with the same mission focus learned as members of the military, and they're committed to supporting veterans, law enforcement, and first responders. When you join the coffee club, you select your perfect roast, how much coffee you want, and how often you want it delivered, and it's all shipped right to your door for free. Not only do you save a trip to the store, but you also receive special discounted pricing. You gain access to exclusive products and partner brand discounts. Not sure what roast is best for you? Take the Black Rifle Coffee Quiz and get matched to the perfect coffee roast and then join the club. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana to save 20% off your purchase in your first coffee club order. That's 20% off with promo code Dana at BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Dana. Fuel your life with America's coffee. Black Rifle Coffee. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. All right, so the pull this up. I don't get the stunt. Why do these people continue gluing themselves to stuff? So these Ger- German, now they're the Germans, the climate change zealots have glued themselves to a dinosaur skeleton at Berlin's Natural History Museum. And their latest stunt, two women from the quote-unquote last generation targeted the museum. They glued themselves to poles, which were supporting the dinosaur skeleton. They said they were scared about the warming impact of climate change. And they're wearing a... Interesting how the st- how much of uh, uh, the stuff that they're using. I'm like looking at their vest, the plastic in their signs, all kinds of stuff. Very, very contradictory. Also, so in Brazil, which I'm... Eh, I, I don't really follow this stuff. If you're interested... Uh, apparently the socialist kind of barely won uh, the guy uh, the socialist candidate in his runoff victory against the incumbent incumbent Bolsonaro 
to become Brazil's president again. So Biden has already sent, I guess, what a congrat. He already uh, sent congratulations to him. Hawaii's Big Island. They're warning that people should be ready because an eruption isn't imminent. But they say state alert because of a recent spike in earthquakes at the summit of the volcano. Uh, that's kind of scary. They, it's the, it's, they said their biggest, the big island, the biggest, the world's largest active volcano. They said it's starting to send some signals that it could erupt. It's not imminent, but there's been a ton of little earthquakes there at the summit. And they said it could just take a few hours for lava to reach homes and closest to vents on the volcano. The last time it erupted was in 1984. They said Hawaii's civil defense agency is holding meetings across the island to educate people how to prepare that's kind of yeah how would you pre- I mean, you gotta leave that's like all you can do how are you gonna prepare it's not like you can go get french toast supplies you gotta get you gotta get out of there that's kind of scary halloween is considered the deadliest pedestrian holiday they said that doesn't actually it doesn't matter the day that it falls it's just halloween is the deadliest for pedestrians that's probably because you got a ton of people who are on foot that's why They said there's other factors that contribute to other deadly U.S. holidays that also impact Halloween safety. But they said that, you know, the trick-or-treater situation, it does it does factor in there. The the increase has been kind of crazy. The 10 deadliest Halloweens in terms of pedestrian accidents in the past 25 years. The the, deadliest one was the Thursday in 1996. That's kind of terrifying. We got a lot more on the way, including Paul Pelosi underwear and hammers. Stick with us. Dana Lash here for ARC Seeds. There's a growing sense of instability and uncertainty. Gas, housing, everyday items are way up. Uh, Food prices have the nation reeling. The ability to grow your own healthy food is on almost everybody's mind. So this is why I want to tell you about ARC Seed Kits. You can visit ARC, A-R-K, ARCSeedKits.com and enter code Dana to receive 10% off. Now, ARC Seed Kits, it's a non-GMO seed company. It's family owned and they provide heirloom seeds for across the nation for over 13 years. They want to make sure every home in America has the ability to grow and harvest its own food. And these are the highest quality heirloom seeds. They arrive in a sustainable container offering long-term and short-term storage. And they also bring seed-saving knowledge and food preparedness to you and your community. You can get seeds for vegetables and herbs. They have 50,000 organically grown seeds in each kit. Talking corn, watermelon, cucumbers, lettuce, beans, tomatoes, all kinds of stuff. Designed to grow new nutrient and calorie dense vegetables and fruits to sustain any home at any time. So, and they can be harvested and regrown year after year. You guys know how heirloom seeds work, right? Chaz Chop in Portland didn't. So visit Arc Seed Kits and enter Dana to get your 10% discount code and be on your way to food and economic security, helping you and your family and your community. It's a limited time offer. Visit arcseedkits.com, A-R-K, and order your seed kits and save 10% today. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Northern 4 car, A priority 910-2640 Broadway, cross of Scott and Normandy. I have a 14-hour copy. RP stated that there's a male in the home and that he's going to wait for his wife. RP stated that he doesn't know who the male is, but he advised that his name is David and that he is a friend. RP sounded somewhat confused. He is a friend. RP sounded somewhat confused. Look. That's weird. There's a lot of weird stuff in this. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you this Halloween. And I'm just, I've got me some questiones. I've got some questions here. And would like to have 
I mean, I would just like to, I got some questions. It's weird. That was the 911 call that went in. And if you listen, it said that they, he let him in the house and this individual, this individual was allowed into the house because apparently when you look and I'm, forgive me here, I'm pulling up a, a number of different things. When you, the whole thing is weird. When the timeline is weird, all of it is weird. The San Francisco police had a press conference. They said that they came for a welfare check. And this is the call with Paul Pelosi. That's the 911 call with Paul Pelosi. And the way that it sounded, if you listen to their press conference, audio soundbite 15,000, at first, the way that they sounded, it made them seem like they both had hammers. But apparently, I, I don't. But it, it, apparently, there was only one hammer, and it wasn't that they both had hammers. It was that they each were holding the hammer. Listen to this. When the officers arrived on scene, they encountered an adult male and Mr. Pelosi's husband, Paul. Our officers observed Mr. Pelosi and the suspect both holding a hammer. The suspect pulled the hammer away from Mr. Pelosi and violently assaulted him with it. Our officers immediately tackled the suspect, disarmed him, took him into custody, requested emergency backup. Hmm. So they were, they, the suspect was arrested in his underwear. They, they, his David DePape was his name. And right in front of the officers, apparently, they, when the officers came in, they were in their underwear, they had a hammer, and then they had to wrestle the hammer away from the guy. He ended up, Paul Pelosi ended up getting a skull fracture and required surgery. And I just, there's a lot of questions that I have here. A lot of questions. This guy apparently had, I mean, he, all these people that are, are coming forward talking about this guy, he was a psychotic, homeless drug addict michael schellenberger had said that he had a pedophile lover oh the and everyone everyone immediately which we'll get into but right now i want to look at who this guy is because all of the left was like oh my gosh this is they were trying to act like it was all somehow related to january 6 or something so stupid i'm so done with us so this guy, he lived, this is what, can you imagine typing this sentence? So this is Michael Schellenberger. He says, DePape lived with a notorious local nudist in a Berkeley home. They had a Black Lives Matter sign in the window and an LGBT rainbow flag, and it had the marijuana symbol on it hanging from a tree. Yeah, that sounds like so MAGA, right? I mean, because, you know, MAGA people just totally have those kinds of things. They have the BLM flags and the rainbow or the rainbow flags and the blm flags and everything else and so they and that was his house they said that no he had a history of drug use psychosis and homelessness now here's another he said that cnn reported a woman named laura hayes who said she worked with depape 10 years ago making hemp bracelets i need to completely stop there because i'm not going to get is that like a career choice? What do you do? I make hemp bracelets. Right. I weave hemp bracelets. It's artisanal hemp that is woven into a bracelet. Okay. They, she said he was living in a storage shed and that he talks to angels. Oh, great. And he uses hard drugs. But no, they acted, the media thought, no, 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 he is, must be, 
now he must be uh he has to be trump extreme mega mega or mega mega extreme i guess it's weird how it didn't show up in a lot of the stories that are out there here's a headline hemp jewelry maker at nudist wedding who broke into Pelosi home. Oh, he, had, he was pictured at a nudist wedding. I don't want to share the picture. So I never, I didn't send you guys this. But there's, yeah, he's got a lot of stuff. He's got a, yeah. But they said that he, uh, it, 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 this guy was, was totally chaotic. He had issues. And the way that the media presented him is that he was this major righty and that this is just, this is, you know, all of the, the heart, you can't write uh, harsh articles and you can't have uh, any kind of campaign ads against Nancy, Nancy Pelosi on television. Otherwise, things like this happen. It's weird because Nancy Pelosi's own daughter was making fun of Rand Paul when he was attacked. I don't know if you guys, yeah. the media tried to memory hold this, but <laughs> no, you can't. Caleb Hole found it. Nancy Pelosi's own daughter had tweeted, Rand Paul's neighbor was right, Christine Pelosi. She was championing the guy who tried to kill Rand Paul, who broke a number of his ribs and Rand Paul had internal bleeding and all this stuff. She was like celebrating it. Now, the other thing, and I've seen this reported too, because wasn't there something that went out in Santa Monica, like one of the, one of a local California press who said that, who suggested that the guy was a male prostitute. Like Paul Pelosi apparently was drinking. And one of the things that, that it, cause the timeline on this is so weird. The reporting person, according to the San Francisco police department said that there's a male in the home. He's going to wait for his wife, the reporting person. The, so the person who called the police stated, he doesn't know who the male is, but advised that his name is David and that he is a friend what now a lot of people are saying that paul pelosi is acdc in a way i don't know however you want to say it and that this guy i mean well you know i was telling you about the hemp jewelry makers background so i don't know he's definitely not MAGA republican despite msnbc and cnn's best efforts so i don't i and the the police it was described as a wellness check if police are going to show up, I mean, it doesn't sound like they were, oh, my gosh, we are so greatly super concerned. We are, we're, you know, we're, it's like a, you know, they're responding to something. Like, they didn't respond to a security alarm. They didn't respond to anything like that. They just stopped to do a wellness check. Someone called them to go and check on Paul Pelosi. And when they arrived, that's when they walked in on that scene it, and the hammer apparently was Paul Pelosi's. I have so many questions. And I do think absolutely that we have every right to ask what's going on because these people have immediately been blaming everybody on the right for it. And they've been desperately trying to use it as some sort of midterm tool. Oh, these are, I mean, there's, I didn't even bother sending in all the audio that I saw of this. I mean, just bit after bit after bit after bit of like for the uh, audio soundbite 12 listen to this oh republicans should pull their campaign ads it wasn't this in response to this yeah. yeah listen looking at your candidates 
Republican candidates have spent more than $116 million on ads that mention Speaker Pelosi by name in this cycle. If this is about the issues, why should you make it about the issues? Why not depersonalize it? It is absolutely about the issues. It's about the fact that we have double-digit inflation. You don't think the question is going to be, well, if you guys don't want any more violence, then why don't you take down these campaign ads? They're going to make it like, oh, well, you can't run any campaign ads against Nancy Pelosi or something like this is going to happen. Oh, we can't have anything like this. That's what they're doing. Now, remember, when, if someone attacked Rand Paul, it was not a big deal. Nancy Pelosi's own daughter, Christine, who happened to be there with her and filmed all that stuff for their little January 6th you know, courtroom drama doc, uh, she was the one who was making fun of, Rick, uh, of Rand Paul and championing his attacker. Uh, whenever someone tried to murder Steve Scalise and other members of uh, Congress, that was, he was just described as one individual. Even though he had an actual manifesto, he was a Bernie Sanders volunteer, and he honestly believed that Republicans were killing people because of health care. I mean, I can go on and on. There were a number of these situations. But whenever it's someone who's going after a Republican, like the guy who tried to stab Lee Zeldin, oh, it's an individual who's just crazy. But if you have an individual who is crazy and who may be a male prostitute who is stumbled upon by police doing a wellness check, not responding to alarm, and they walk into the Pelosi home, and Paul Pelosi's sitting there, drunk again, apparently, in his underwear, fighting over his hammer with another guy in his underwear. Oh, then it's the all the MAGA. Right. It's all them. It's just, I just have so many questions about this. There's, I just, it doesn't, do you think it's going to come up in the press conference questions today? I really want to see that. Happen. I want to see the spin. I want to see how they dodge answering some mm-hmm. of these questions because the most basic questions that I have would be, we know the Pelosi's have a spiked fencing around their home. And cameras everywhere. And cameras everywhere and a robust alarm system. Yet none of these things were triggered. They're now, I, I read initially that some of these the CCTV cameras were disabled, um, that there's no real video of this incident. Um, so again, it, all the all the, this does is add more questions to the issue. It doesn't really answer. We haven't had any of our real questions answered. Yeah, no, we haven't. And then there was this uh, one other quick thing. This is audio soundbite sixteen. So this is a reporter caught on a hot mic after that press conference. We just played that audio. And listen, he's he's listen to what he says here. Okay, so is this the dude that, uh, that uh, was a former, like, uh, nudist dude? Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm, is it okay to say any of that stuff? No? Yeah, all right, cool. All right, so, but we kind of have a working knowledge of who this guy may be. Hang on one second. Let me go see what they've got over here. I'll call you back. Oh, so we can say that he's a nudist dude? Apparently, and that's the other thing. They were saying, oh, he's a... He's a Castro nudist, and that's a group of really radically... Someone said it was a group of radically gay male prostitutes. I don't know the makeup of the San Francisco social scene. I don't know. But they... It's just weird. They showed in to do... The cops showed up for a wellness check and not... I, I don't know. And it's... It's it's just... And it's at 2 a.m. Who calls... Who calls to initiate a wellness check at 2 a.m.? Apparently nobody... I mean, I don't even... I don't even know how... This, no, does anybody know how this guy got into the house? That's the I mean, just there's a lot of questions. Some people are saying there was one story that was saying that when he got into his accident, there was also another individual, a young man in the car with him. I don't know. I just read that's been discussed 
But this, there's a lot of questions. It does not sound like somebody was 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 trying to get get at him. And so, and also one of the other things that came up, and this just seems to be kind of glossed over, the one apparently no alarm was triggered and the police had to break glass like like a glass door to gain entry that's what they say say. i don't know there's a lot of there's just a lot of weird stuff and and yes i think you can ask questions and we can't focus on it simply because well they've been spinning it as i mean you have joe biden going out there and doing the same thing they're all blaming people on the right for this which is so weird because nobody on the right has blm flags and all that stuff up but everybody oh you have to speak out against hate hillary clinton tweeted the republican party and its mouthpieces now regularly spread hate and deranged conspiracy theories it's not shocking it's shocking but not surprising that violence is the result so they were all all of them in overdrive uh, Mika Brzezinski and MSNBC, it's a cult and they're victims of a cult. And they're, they're, you know, these people, they're, they're like inciting violence, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's so many, I've, there's so many quotes. Projection. They have been on overdrive pushing this. So, yeah, you absolutely can talk about it and you absolutely can ask it. The other thing, too, the, uh, meet the press. Because remember how I said there was a reporting, like they, they made, the reporting person made it sound like there was a witness there, so a third person there. Because they said that when officers arrived at the house and knocked on the door, someone, an unknown person, let them in. And they told uh, DePape and Pelosi they were struggling for a hammer. The officer said, drop it. And then DePape took the hammer and then attacked Pelosi right there in front of the cops. Uh, They said that no one ever meet the press said, oh, well, there's uh, details about a third person. And they said that. Uh, that, you know, there's uh, th- this person let police in before the attack and then they never went back to it and never talked about it again. Dude, it's weird. It's weird. Some of the we, I've got more, including here coming up. This uh, we were talking about the, the Twitter takeover and we also have I got some gender stuff to get into as well. This is kind of crazy. So a Vermont student and her father, uh, they were, she was suspended. Her father, who was a coach, was fired because they complained about a trans student, a male identifying as female, in the girls' changing room. This is happening more often than not anymore. We also have midterm update. We've got a ton of other stuff to get into. If you want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in Texas. The left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider and a force for conservative values. This is because they take a portion of your bill and fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and they're winning. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative values with every call. Visit patriotmobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation using offer code Dana. Special discounts are also available for veterans and first responders. Join our movement, make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. Patriotmobile.com slash Dana. That's patriotmobile.com slash Dana, 972-PATRIOT. The Dana Show. I was reading this piece 
about a person. It was on uh, a Reddit post, and they were saying, am I mean because I do not want to give kids to people who come in from outside neighborhoods? Because then I end up having to, like, buy all this candy and feeding, you know, and, and giving candy. I mean, I get the concern because we're in an, I mean, candy is a heck of a lot more expensive than it was a couple of years ago. I mean, I'm wondering, too, if there, if there are going to be a lot of people this Halloween that kind of turn off their porch lights because candy got so expensive. I hope not. But, man, sign of the times, I tell you what. Our second hour is on the way. We've got a lot more, including, no, we're not going to have a pandemic amnesty. We need accountability and apologies first. Stick with us. Dana Lash here for ARC Seeds. There's a growing sense of instability and uncertainty. Gas, housing, everyday items are way up. Uh, Food prices have the nation reeling. The ability to grow your own healthy food is on almost everybody's mind. So this is why I want to tell you about ARC Seed Kits. You can visit ARC, A-R-K, ARCSeedKits.com and enter code Dana to receive 10% off. Now, ARC Seed Kits, it's a non-GMO seed company. It's family owned and they provide heirloom seeds for across the nation for over 13 years. They want to make sure every home in America has the ability to grow and harvest its own food. Now, these are the highest quality heirloom seeds. They arrive in a sustainable container offering long-term and short-term storage. And they also bring seed-saving knowledge and food preparedness to you and your community. You can get seeds for vegetables and herbs. They have 50,000 organically grown seeds in each kit. Talking corn, watermelon, cucumbers, lettuce, beans, tomatoes, all kinds of stuff. Designed to grow new nutrient and calorie dense vegetables and fruits to sustain any home at any time so and they can be harvested and regrown year after year you guys know how heirloom seeds work right Chaz chop in portland didn't so visit arc seed kits and enter dana to get your 10 percent discount code and be on your way to food and economic security helping you and your family and your community it's a limited time offer visit arcseedkits.com ark and order your seed kits and save 10 percent today it's one thing to condemn the violence, but you can't condemn the violence unless you condemn those people who continue to argue the election was not real, that it's being stolen, that all the, all the malarkey that's being put out there to undermine democracy. How many times have we played audio of this guy saying that 2016 yeah. was not a legitimate election? Exactly. Or Hillary Clinton saying it? Or Kamala Harris saying it? Or Stacey Abrams saying it? Or Barack Obama even suggesting it. He walked up close, but he didn't go as far as any of them. What about Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi? Because I don't know how many times I have to play it on the radio program, and we've played it before. I mean, it's like a seven-minute video. It's a montage of all of these exact people that I have named, and even more, all saying that 2016 was a stolen election. So it's really interesting how when the shoe is on the other foot, not even to the extent that it is with Democrats, every single time Democrats don't win, it's because someone stole the election from them, not that voters rejected them. Welcome back to the program. Second hour of the show here. Dana Lash, your lovable curmudgeon hostess this Halloween. We've got some breaking news that just came in, and I'm, I'm running it down right now. Catherine Engelbrecht, who I've known for over a decade now, uh, she comes out of Texas, and she got her start when she was, you know, a, you know she has always been a private citizen in, uh, in the Houston area. She worked with uh, True the Vote and King Street, Patri- King Street Patriots. Their groups were the groups that essentially propelled Ted Cruz into the, his Senate seat that he's in now. And they, uh, when she was, when she was, uh, this is like back in 2009, even way, way back, uh, they had, 
they were they were getting involved in their civic duty. They were they were getting involved in in local campaigning and all of this stuff because they wanted to have impact on the uh, restrictions and rules and taxation and everything that was affecting them. And that's when they started discovering this inordinate amount of of uh, you know wrongly, falsely, illegally registered people that were on voting rolls, dead people by the thousands. Um, she had discovered hundreds of people registered at one address to vote. And this was back in 2009. So none of this is new information. In fact, it was um, Elijah Cummings and others who sent the full weight of all of the alphabet of government agencies to harass her because her work was so successful and she was instrumental in the early days of raising awareness of voter integrity. And this predates the 2010 shellacking, the midterm shellacking. This is this has been going on for quite some time. And so now fast forward when Dinesh D'Souza made his 2000 Mules film. And I want to I want to be very clear. Do you you the question isn't if there is uh you know, a compromise of voting integrity. It is a question of how widespread it is, which I think is a separate discussion from whether or not you believe that 2020, the election went by the book. And I know that there are people out there that have their questions. I'm a very, you know, as most limited government uh, uh, science loving people, I like to have the evidence before me. I like to have the facts before me before I make, you know, such and such claim. But, oh, I know for a fact that there's tons of voter fraud because I've had people illegally registered at my address. I know exactly, I know exactly that there is. And so that's not the question. The question is, it does exist. The question is, how widespread is it? And so when they were working on their documentary, she decided to work with Dinesh D'Souza on this 2000 Mules film. Uh, it made a lot of people angry and a lot of people were decided that they were going to, I guess, try to settle the score. So fast forward. And again, this is all breaking. So I'm pulling this up now. Apparently, uh, it was a it was a pretty chaotic uh, th- 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 some testimony there. They've been in court. Um, it was a civil suit that was filed by a Michigan based company called Conic K-O-N-N-E-C-H. It's a company that provides poll worker management software to elections offices and true the vote. And I, I want to add to that. Catherine Engelbrecht has never been a bomb thrower. She is a very data driven person. I, I've known her for a very long time. Like I can be a bomb thrower. She's I've never known her to be that way. She is just a very data driven person. She doesn't want to be a pundit. She doesn't want to be on television. She wants to solve problems. And those types of people are very threatening to people who don't want problems solved. And so the whole point of this is that Connick decided to file a lawsuit uh, because they said that True the Vote had baseless accusations against the company's CEO and that they, they I mean, they decided to file suit, long story short. And there's a bunch of stuff by, about this, this Eugene Yu. He was the CEO who was arrested over alleged data theft. This was a Newsweek piece that was just actually earlier this month. His company, Conic, uh, the, it was the poll chief software. So apparently he was he was arrested on suspicion of stealing poll worker data. So just to put that out there so you can have full perspective, he was charged by the Los Angeles district attorney on allegations of storing government data in China in breach of its contract. And so it, it seems as though these the allegations that true the vote has been putting forward that seemed to corroborate some of the allegations that they have been making on as to what he was doing. 
And so a lot of people have called them conspiracy theorists. It's kind of hard to say that someone's a conspiracy theorist when someone is arrested for the very thing that someone is saying that they're doing. That doesn't sound so much like a conspiracy theory anymore, I'm just going to say. So they had a hearing, and uh, next thing you know, and it just came out, now they are, and I'm pulling this up, this is from, uh, let me make sure I get this, I want to attribute the media. So this is uh, from, it's an editorial director for VoteBeat, but it was also reported by Post Millennial and uh, Right Scoop as well, but now apparently they're in custody. They were arrested. Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips. And the it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of crazy. So I'm going to keep up with this, this story, because all of this is apparently just coming out now. It's kind of crazy. Uh, so they were arrested and apparently they were jailed. The latest is that, um, and this is the federal judge, Kenneth Hoyt, U.S. Marshals have taken into custody true the votes, Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips for contempt of court due to their refusal to release the names of a confidential informant. They were wanting to know who told them the information about this individual with Connick. Who told you? Now, the judge says he he never got a straight answer. They said that they're going to be held in custody for a day or more until they bring forth the information they are withholding. The judge says that he that the way Philip and Engelbrecht talk suggests that True the Vote had access to hack computer data, though they denied it. And so they were taken to the custody in the courtroom in Houston. Now, remember, the CEO was arrested for storing election data servers on uh, in China. So just very interesting stuff going on here. Why are they being why are they being held and being forced to being told to that they have to that they have to release that? I mean, they don't have to. Where are the whistleblower protections? Where are all of those people who scream about the sanctity of whistleblowers? I would love to know. Would love to know. I'm just, you know, I'm just curious about this. Hmm. And so we're going to follow all of this. This is just breaking out if you, t- if you just tuned in. They, they, they took uh, Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips in, in custody. They said for a day or more. They, they found them, the judge, uh, Kenneth Hoyt, uh, found them in contempt of court because they won't release the name, the informant of the individual who told them about uh, that conic, that uh, voting machine company. So we're going to come back to this here as well. This is just wild. This is a very, I knew it was going to be a weird news day. It just felt like it was. It felt like it was. There was, uh, they said that it was weird because it all cent- centered around this Dallas hotel meeting that apparently Catherine Engelbrecht wasn't even, f- wasn't even present at. So there was a, a lot of weird stuff. I'll bring you more information as we get it. Now, a few other things to make sure that we, uh, gosh, what a crazy day, uh, that, we, that we touch on. Uh, this story that is out from the Atlantic, it's called Let's Declare a Pandemic Amnesty. Uh, author Emily Oster writes, quote, we need to forgive one another for what we did and what we said when we were in the dark about COVID. I, s- no, 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 and no. I, no. I am I, this it, it, I, forgiveness isn't to the exclusion of penalty. And let's be real. That's exactly what they're arguing here. Now, some people were saying, yes, we should forgive. A lot of mistakes were made by people in power on all sides, you know, but, you know, we, we've got to be able to do better next time. No, 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 no. Forgiveness is one thing. Redemption is another. Forgiveness is one thing. Repentance is another. And I, I think this is you, you have to remember too, everything that happened. Over this period, everything that everything that took place, people lost their jobs. They lost. They weren't able to go to funerals. They weren't they they people lost friends. 
livelihoods and businesses. People were arrested for trying to make money to pay for their children's food. And you think that you can just wave it away with a, a, a flippant brush of your hand and say, no, no, we need to have pandemic, pandemic amnesty. No, we need accountability. And we need apologies. You shut down the world's most powerful economy. You caused an even greater divide. No. Jacob Patton wrote, quote, My mother languished in a nursing home, barred from any visits from her loved ones. And she still got COVID anyway. That wasn't what killed her. Loneliness killed her. And by the time I could see her, the damage was done. It was too late. He has apologized to her urn, and we can talk. We, we lost friends. I had people that we've known for years and years and years and years who intimated that we were murderers and selfish because even though we had already had the virus, we contracted it naturally, we didn't get the government injection. And because we didn't get the government injection, we were unfeeling, horrible people who were no longer worth knowing. And we were actually ostracized by people in our lives that we've known for over a decade. And I'm supposed to just say, let's declare a pandemic amnesty. There were business owners who lost everything. Years that they sacrificed to build their business, to make something for themselves with this great American dream. And it was all shut down, not based on science, but based on fear. And when they tried to stay open, their characters were impugned. They were ridiculed. They were ostracized. They lost everything. Oh, oops, we got it wrong. We're just supposed to declare a pandemic amnesty? Oops. Sorry about that. We got it wrong. I mean, sorry that we had to shut down the entire economy. I mean, you know, sorry. Sorry that we had to use these executive powers and, and these, this tyrannical control that had never bore, f- before been seen in the United States in order to make you submit to our lack of science. Oops, sorry. We're sorry that we censored you. We're sorry that we shut down your YouTube accounts and closed your Facebook pace, pages and called you conspiracy theorist. Sorry, sorry that we decided to force you to get a government injection. And then sorry, we started to having to to mainstream myocarditis and pericarditis as maybe a result of this widespread use of an experimental injection. Sorry about that. Let's have a pandemic amnesty. Oops, sorry. Forgiveness isn't for the other person. Forgiveness is supposed to be for the person who was wronged. But forgiveness isn't to the exclusion of penalty. Forgiveness isn't to the exclusion of accountability. Forgiveness isn't to the exclusion of a reckoning. And that is what we should declare. We have a lot more on the way. You don't want to miss. 
Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan joins me to explain what he will focus on as Judiciary Committee Chairman. If Republicans win back the House in the midterms, I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, Jordan also slams the aggressively political actions of the Justice Department and FBI. I'll also react to Elon Musk officially taking over at Twitter. Don't miss it. Follow the Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So, as we just told you, breaking news, Catherine Engelbrecht, True of the Vote, and Greg Phillips were held in contempt of court. They were put in jail for a day or more. They are being told by this judge that they have to release the name of the informant who told them that Eugene uh, Yu had been storing information about uh, poll workers on Chinese servers. And then he was arrested in L.A. County upon order of a judge for doing just that. So interesting case we're going to bring you uh, any updates on that that we that we have because that just that actually just came in as we were as we were rolling out of uh the our last segment uh, additionally now if you like the witcher henry cavill was a very good casting choice but now it looks like they might be replacing him for season four with liam hemsworth why do you say his name like that dana whose name well liam hemsworth oh you mean liam hemsworth you think he's actually going to be this guy as the no no we're not even I'm not no I will boycott yeah I do watch it but uh, they said that he could it, look, there's all this discussion that he's going to be replaced in uh, season four and that because he said that his his journey as uh, Gerald of Rivia has been it's done and so they did announce Liam Hemsworth that sounds horrible that's like the great value great value version of. No, I'm just, no. I really could do the rest of the show on this. Uh, Now, our low diesel supply apparently is getting lower. Really? So they said that national numbers for distillates are are pretty high, says Patrick DeHaan, head of petroleum analysis at Gas Buddy. He says, you're not going to see widespread outages, but if we have a bout of cold weather, things are going to get pretty challenging. It is the start of heating oil season. Now, isn't it because it's not totally chilly? Please take in perspective that I consider anything below 65 degrees to be heater weather. So I don't know how much I can be trusted on this. Also, Babylon B actually filed an amicus brief arguing that parody is dangerous and it's hysterical. And Tom Brady and Giselle Budgen, Budgen announced a divorce after 13 years. That's sad. Stay with us. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. Come on. Sir, sir, this is this is what I'm saying. Look, we, we've got we've got a there is a process that we set up in our democracy. Right now I'm talking. You'll have a chance to talk sometime soon. You don't have to shout each other down. Guys, it kind of sounded like the golden child was business. It's that you wouldn't do that in a workplace. If you wouldn't just interrupt people in the middle of a conversation. It's not how we do things. And this is part of the point that I want to make. Just basic civility and courtesy works. And that's what we want to try to encourage. I can't believe, I can't believe this video clip. Welcome back to the show. Dana Lash here with you. Happy Halloween Monday. It, you know, it sounded like he's about to take off his flip-flop and go whoop some people is what it sounded like. Didn't it? 
He's like, no, nah, we got to have some basic civility. I mean, it sounded like he was about to whip off the flip flop and go beat some people because they were acting, acting up. Man, you know it's bad when he can't control the left. But you know what? It's his fault, though, too, because he let the, the craziest in his base run, run wild and they used them as a way to agitate as a substitute for enthusiasm about Democrat policies. That's why we're in this situation. They've been deploying him. Isn't, didn't Biden stay home? Biden's not even going out anywhere. He like did a couple of things and he's it. There was an Obama. Guys, Obama was in Michigan. That's Michigan. I don't even know what I think about that. Right? That was wild. And that's not the first time this has happened. Do you think, okay, here's a question. Because they've deployed him to kind of help seal the deal and fundraise and get out there and do what Joe can't. But, and he was campaigning for Gretchen Whitmer in that instance. Is he considered to be, and I'm trying to figure out the best way to say it, because the left is so tribal and so far left where it's not that he wasn't he just didn't want to admit it for the purpose of having a better chance to get it passed but i feel like they don't find that they should listen to him does he actually have authority with the base that's a good question because i know joe biden doesn't so then who does that's that's it i mean i think it defaults to obama in some way but that's a really good question. I I don't think uh, I can answer that. Because this wasn't just like one or two people that were disagreeing with him in the audience. There was a significant number of people that started disagreeing with him. Yeah. And he was struggling to gain control. That's, that was, that was kind of, that was kind of wild. I don't think... It's a question of, have they pulled further to the left of him? I think it's, he's always been there, but he's trying to triangulate. You guys know what that, that was the whole approach that Dick Morris had Bill Clinton do in the 90s, where Bill Clinton tried to act like he had a foot in both worlds, but he was above the pettiness and he, you know, he's trying, it's too late for that. So let's tell you where things stand right now. So a couple of things that I am watching. Let me roll down here to my uh, my midterm section here. Okay, so first and foremost, in Pennsylvania, I think it's getting worse for uh, Fetterman. It didn't help when his wife went out there and said that swimming was racist. I still can't believe she said this. I know what happened Friday. I was I was out doing uh, something with my with my son. We had a college visit. Uh, and so we were looking at, we've been looking at tech schools and different colleges. So I had to do that. I, I had mom duty Friday. Indulge me for a moment because this is like, this is pretty cray. Go ahead. And this while we did not want the mansion, that mansion came with the pool and the pool I wanted. And the dream was to open this pool and make it a public pool, turn it into the people's pool mm-hmm. and ensure that, um, young people across Pennsylvania could learn how to swim and learn water safety and kind of work to right some of the wrongs you know historically um swimming in america is is very racist i i swear we've had this conversation before have we not you know what else is racist 
when your husband grabs a shotgun and chases down the first random black jogger he sees because some kids lighting off bottle rockets in a parking lot around the corner make him think that this guy went and just fired a gun somewhere. That sounds pretty racist if you want to have a discussion as to what is or is not racist. Now, speaking of Pennsylvania, this is an insider advantage poll. Now, I'm going to break this down. I'm looking at this like right now. Uh, it is, it looks at, it, there's seven, it, 750 likely voters, and it has a pretty high margin of error. The margin of error is almost 3.6, 3.6. So I don't really, I think it's good for talking points, but I, you know, for, for if a candidate's trying to raise money, but I don't put, I honestly don't have a lot, put a lot, I think this, this poll is not, I don't think it's a wide enough sample in looking at the cross tabs, looking at all of the data, and I don't think that it's, um, the margin of error is a little too high for the, and it's likely voters, not registered voters. And so they have this poll, they have Feder, or they have Oz up by three. So this is plus three. I actually think it's a lot closer than that. It has Fetterman, the RCP average is only 1.5. So there you have it. So that's, that is one of the newer polls that came in. Now in Georgia, there's a New York Times Siena poll that had Warnock not up enough in the margin of error, but there was an Atlanta Journal Constitution poll that had Walker plus one. Now, here's the thing with Georgia's, let me pull this all up because they, you have to get above that mark, you have to get above that 50 threshold, correct? The way that I understand, the way that I was looking at uh, Georgia's elections. And so that would mean that there, there would be a runoff. I don't, I don't see how you wouldn't have uh, a, uh, a runoff with this because you got to get to what, what I understand 50% to not have a runoff in Georgia. And when I'm looking at all of Georgia's polling, uh, there is nothing that has Raphael Warnock above 50. Not a single bit. There's not a single poll that has Raphael Warnock above 50. So what that means is that that may not be decided. November. You may have to go to a runoff, and that's like in December. Now, I think if you go to a runoff, I think Warnock loses. Hmm. So I just took my Georgia. So when I make my own map of the Senate, I take Georgia and I move it from toss-up to lean czar because of that alone. Now, here's the problem with this. And I was, I it, it love folks in Georgia. Georgia's a beautiful state. I was in Georgia for some of this uh, during the special election. Do not, let, do not let yourself be robbed of a vote because someone convinced you to stay home. You want the turnout to suffocate any shenanigans. The last special election, there were fewer who turned out for that in some of the reddest districts, like Marjorie Taylor Greene's district, for instance. I was talking to a friend who, who worked with door-to-door canvassing and works with grassroots in that state. And they were saying, oh my gosh, the turnout was just squelched. People thought that they should just stay home. I really think that that was like a very Machiavellian move by Democrats to tell, why they didn't have to take your vote. They don't have to do nothing back channel if they can just tell you to stay home and steal it that way. Why would you listen? No, get out there and vote. It is the, the, your duty. Get out there and vote. If somebody can go and die for it, then you can show up and cast a paper or digital ballot. 
So in Georgia, I do think that that can go. I absolutely, I think that that is Republicans to lose. Georgia's Republicans to lose. It's the voters election to lose. And I don't think that our friends in Georgia want to lose it. They sound pretty fired up and the enthusiasm looks pretty good. There's a couple of other things I want to make sure. The ABC economy and inflation are number one and two. That is dominant. And it's interesting because when you look at, doesn't matter which poll you look at, some iteration of economy, inflation, jobs, gas are all the top five. They do not vary by race or ethnicity. That's one of the things ABC touched on. It doesn't matter if the respondents surveyed are black Americans or Hispanic Americans or white Americans or Asian Americans or female Americans or male Americans or gay Americans or straight Americans or whatever Americans or what. It is the same. It is the economy. That is the top issue. The absolute top issue. And interestingly enough, What did I tell you back when all of this first happened? The abortion issue, people aren't going to, you're not going to convince people that things are banned when they're not. It's just, you're not going to do it. And and people are going to care about their pocketbook first, especially as it starts getting colder outside. And they've got to turn their heating on. They see those gas prices go up. They're not going to care about anything else. And all of that's going to coincide here just because it's already getting cold in the East Coast. Steve, let me ask you, because you're out in like Virginia, D.C., what's like the average high out there for you right now? Is it chilly? Uh, it does in the morning and the nights. It's like around 60 right now, but it usually gets down mm. to like in the low 40s at night. Ooh, oh, my gosh. That's like bonfire weather. Burn all the things. I can't. It's the high. Right. So right now it's 69 degrees in Texas and I'm going to wear a jacket if I go outside. Oh, yeah, I am. I am a giant pansy when it comes to weather. You're absolutely right. So think about this, though. I mean, if you're if you're if you're broke and everything is doubly expensive from groceries to fuel, that's going to be at forefront of your mind. That is a necessity. No one cares about all of these other cosmetic issues. So this it just it's still and this just fuels further. Wall Street Journal fuels the midterm momentum. Senate will be tight. But now it looks like, and remember what I said last week when we went over the Cook political report, and they are pretty nonpartisan. They increased the number of seats that they believe Republicans are going to gain. So it went up, it went from 10 to 20 seats to 12 to 25 seats. I like this because that means you're going to have more Republicans or more committees that decide what something looks like by the time it hits the floor. Now, one of the things you're going to see as a controlling the conversation from the press is the press after, I would say after midterms, the heat is going to be on Biden uh, about 2024, and the media will use any kind of Republican power jockeying in the House to distract from that. And then they're going to start uh, creating the narrative that it is Republicans that are responsible for all of this, even though it's everyone, we know who's, who was in charge and whose policies were implemented when all of this stuff kicked off. So don't forget that. But the Senate's still going to be tight. I don't see us. I see 52. That's what I see when I still when I still look at this. Now, here's another thing to think about. This comes in from MSN via Sun Sentinel. Florida Republicans have registered nine new voters for every one new Democrat in the months leading up to midterms. 
That just legit gave me chills. My arm hair is like standing up. That's Democrats have got to be worried. I'd be freaking out if I was a Democrat over that right now. You have nine to every one. Did you see that DeSantis also was in New York when they uh, for Lee Zeldin campaigning and that there were was it it looked like a hundred thousand people that were out it looked like a massive amount of people Uh, a friend said that they have never seen not since trump they've never seen a a rally this large with that many in new york that's something else i tell you so this is uh like i said i think georgia's gonna have a runoff and i don't think warnock's gonna win and i i'm still I'm still uh, leans dem- I'm still leans Democrat for Pennsylvania. I don't think that'll be. I'll be pleasantly surprised. But if I'm speculating, I just don't. I know it's crazy. Now I could. I want to be wrong. Oh my gosh! I love being proven wrong with this stuff because it is not about ego. It is about please prove me wrong. But I'm just looking at the data, and I and a lot of the local polling is what I think is incredibly important. Uh, so maybe it'll change. Maybe maybe people are lying about it. But at the same time, what I mean, wouldn't they be more embarrassed to support Fetterman and his wife's racist pool than anything? I don't know. So we have a lot more on the way. We've got uh, some Florida men coming up. Our werewolf is in reporting for duty. So we're going to get all of that and more. I just got to wait until he howls. It's not the same. I got to wait. I got to wait for it. I got to wait for him to howl. It's coming. It, and, and, and. That's like the chorus. That's the chorus of it. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida Man. Man, there are some bad decisions that are being made here, too. So first up, the uh, free press. Loitering Florida Man tells cops, you know what? You just need to ask the FBI because I am allowed to carry meth. Robert Lawson, 50 years old, was questioned by Pinellas County deputies after he was spotted loitering near a wooded area in Clearwater. The 50-year-old was questioned because he looked a little messed up. Uh, Deputies say that during a consensual encounter, Lawson reportedly gave investigators permission to search him in his bags. He produced a pack of cigarettes from his pocket and a baggie, small baggie containing a crystal substance that field tested positive for methamphetamine. And then, of course, deputies also found an uncapped syringe with grody brown liquid residue. So he was put under arrest and he said, look, he told Pinellas County Sheriff's deputies, just call the FBI and St. Petersburg police because I am allowed to carry meth. No, he's not. He was arrested on felony drug possession Misdemeanor drug paraphernalia. He was booked in Pinellas County Jail on a twenty uh, two thousand uh, dollar bond. So I guess he's still, I guess he's still in there. And two were arrested in Walmart after they put a half-eaten rotisserie chicken back on the shelf oh, in Largo. Oh, no. Two dudes, well, a dude and a woman who looks like a dude, Christian Putnam and Ann Castillo, were arrested. They were eating the chicken out of the box. They had their fill. They put it back, tried to leave, and were charged with petty theft. Don't be those people. Third hour coming up. Stick with us problem yeah i mean look obviously it's it's puzzling to say the least when you have a company that cooperates with the federal government benefits from federal subsidies and then later on you have leadership saying oh, federal government should get out of the way and have nothing to do with this but frankly that's happened a lot to uh, uh with with people in the business world hmm. wait is he so is he saying what we all kind of know that is he saying that 
Twitter has always kind of been involved with the administration and federal government and this beneficial relationship. I'm curious, has it been? Ah, welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. Happy Halloween. That was Secretary Mayor Poot Buttigieg. And the uh, weeping and gnashing of the teeth still. I'm looking and pulling up this. Um, they, they may actually, who knows, they may actually end up going back to going back to court because Elon Musk was saying that there was there was information that was hidden from him during purchase and so it looks like that they may actually be going back to court who knows but um this the green inner the the subsidies that he's mentioning there you know he benefits from government subsidies now do green energy oh he won't do that though would you pay twenty dollars a month for verification on twitter would you pay four dollars a month for verification on twitter Mm-mm. I don't think so. I, it's a vanity exercise. That's the other thing. Why do people, the Twitter treated the blue check thing as a stamp of validation instead of proof that someone was who they said they were. And so now we have this like bizarre twisted view of verification and it was floated out. He actually was, he was just, you know, speculating on this over the summer that maybe people would pay a couple of dollars a month for it. And then The Verge said, oh, no, they're looking at $20 a month, maybe. I don't know. I'm not going to believe that until, unless he comes out and says, oh, yeah, that's the case. But I wouldn't pay anything. They have Twitter Blue, which is like a thing that you can pay for. But why in the hell would anybody pay? Why the hell would I pay for? I'd let, the, I'd let it lapse. There's no way I'm going to pay a, a a platform that suspended me for sharing a true story from the New York Post about Hunter Biden's laptop. Suspended thousands of you. Why would I pay them? I have a question. Why, why would I pay them when they deleted 30,000 of my followers on this day two years ago? Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Either. Why would I pay them when they throttled my account, shadow ban me or anybody else out there for the love? Why would you pay them when they don't even let you say women are women? Has that changed yet? I'm just curious. I think they need to go a long way in repairing their abusive relationship with the people who use them the most and the hardest. What were you going to say? I was going to say, the um, obviously, the, the blue checks that already exist, are, is he suggesting that they pay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's not well, how he's I read not, it eventually. Right, that's not I, I how I think the way that The Verge is saying it is that that would be the... But he hasn't actually confirmed or denied... I mean, he hasn't right. said anything about it. And then so my second it's all point, speculation until then. Yeah, my second point is the, the blue checks that are actually, you know, not the ones with 500 or less followers because there are some blue checks out there that have that when they're tied to en- entities like NBC or something like that. Mm. But the blue checks are the ones that drive the engagement on the platform. I don't think that he would do something that would sort of push that engagement away um that's why it's kind of confusing like i can understand him wanting to offer it to other people who don't have it for that for that much and but even then it doesn't make sense because it sort of diminishes the value of the blue check for those who actually earned it and are the ones that are most engaging on the platform yeah yeah i agree and and i just saw this headline daily mail it says uh, musk becomes the sole director of twitter after dissolving the board of directors gee how does business work yeah. and when you own something and he lodged a security filing uh, which names him the sole director he dissolved the nine former board members and i don't know i the whole this is all goofy it's all so goofy 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 
a couple of other things that I want to make sure that we get into. Some of them were developing as we were on air. So Chris Murphy tweeted out, Today I'm requesting the Committee on Foreign Investment, which reviews acquisitions of U.S. businesses by foreign buyers, to conduct an investigation into the national security implications of Saudi Arabia's purchase of Twitter. Because they own, they had, they've been owning shares since like about 2010, 2011. They've owned some, they've, they've been shareholders. Why are they just now doing this? Why is Chris Murphy just doing this now? He's just now concerned about it? Good grief. These people are absolute clowns. Complete and total clowns. It's, it's, just, it's silly. Now, another thing to note. Apparently, remember PayPal was going to fine people uh, as being in violation of, of their terms of service? $2,500. Now, apparently, now that the outcry has diminished, apparently it's back in. There were, uh, I found this, uh, this is being shared. People are taking screenshots of the new terms of service. Was it just another accident? It actually says this in the terms of service. Quote, again, it's back in. If you're a seller and receive funds for transactions that violate the acceptable use policy, then in addition to being the subject of the above actions, you'll be liable to PayPal for the amount of PayPal's damages caused by your violation of the acceptable use policy. You acknowledge and agree that $2,500 US per violation of the acceptable use policy is presently a reasonable minimum estimate of PayPal's actual damages, blah, blah, blah. Why would anybody use PayPal? It's so much easier to use Venmo and Zello and just cash. I don't know. I mean, Apple Pay even. It's just so, it's just so much easier to not use them. Not at all. So apparently it is... Um, I guess it's it's included. It's I guess it's back in is what is apparently what I'm seeing. Oh, but wait, there's more. Now, this I have a couple of other things here. Cuz earlier we were talking about the uh the great hammering. The Paul Pelosi weird middle of the night underwear hammer fest. I don't know how to I just have a lot of questions and I don't, I reject the narrative that it was an extreme mega mega person because the guy apparently when he previously lived with his partner, they had a BLM flag out and all this other stuff. And he's written all kinds of stuff about hating like George Bush and other Republicans, et cetera. Anyway. So Politico has a piece where they are trying to control the conversation surrounding some of the details that don't make sense. Remember when police arrived, they were called to do a wellness check. They show up and Paul Pelosi's in his manties and he has a hand on his hammer. And the guy who broke into his home also has a hand on the hammer and is in his underwear. Just, you know, totally normal, I guess. It's San Francisco. Who knows? And uh, police were concerned. And then that's when the guy attacked Paul Pelosi while the cops were there, et cetera, et cetera. But the weird thing is, is that the 911 call said that there was a third person there and that they let them in. And so this is what Politico says. They say it's a baseless claim. They said that among those baseless claims that a third person answered a door when police arrived at the Pelosi home, which San Francisco law enforcement has said is untrue. Wait a minute, though. I'm really curious because the 911 call 
said, well, they said this. Is this audio somebody at 17? Is that it? Northern four car, eight priority, nine ten, two six four zero Broadway, cross of Scott and Normandy. Eight fourteen hour copy. RP stated that there's a male in the home and that he's going to wait for his wife. RP stated that he doesn't know who the male is, but he advised that his name is David and that he is a friend. RP sounded somewhat confused. And they said that friend. the also it said even in the the political off the political piece that officers arrived at the house, knocked on the front door, and were led inside by an unknown person. So how are they going to sit here and say that there was that there wasn't a third person that was there when they said that they were let in by an unknown third person? And they were also trying to say, well, he was not a friend. That's debunked. That's the 911 call. So I don't know. There are a lot. Do you, we're not going to get any answers on this. None at all. Absolutely none at all. Because they don't want you asking questions about it. Heaven forbid. If you ask questions about it, then you're apparently... You were there raiding the Capitol. Uh, you were a raider on January 6th, apparently. You're a terrorist. I don't know. That's just kind of how they're, that's sort of how they're going about it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, good heavens. A few other things. Like I said, I've got a bunch of other stuff that has been developing. This is from The Intercept. Leaked documents outlined Department of Homeland Security's plan to police what they call disinformation. This is really weird. They said that, and this is according to this piece from The Intercept, that FBI agent Laura Demla was in communications with Facebook that led to the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story in 2020 over the false allegation that the story was disinformation. She met with Twitter and DHS to stress that we need a media infrastructure held accountable. Facebook and Twitter created portals, special special portals, portals for the government to rapidly request takedowns of content, according to this piece from The Intercept. The portals, along with NGO partners, used to censor a wide range of content, including parody accounts that were completely obvious parody accounts, like Babylon Bee, and content that disagreed with any of the administration's policy on the pandemic. There are emails and documents showing DHS collaborating with these tech platforms. One of those was one of the people who was fired by Elon Musk last week, Vijay Agati, who met monthly with DHS to discuss plans regarding censorship. The... One of these Microsoft executives had texted Department of Homeland Security saying, quote, platforms have to get have got to get comfortable with government. This is not now some say this. uh, I mean, it's it's mission creep, but that kind of presupposes that there was a limitation to working with tech to fight domestic terrorism because it definitely does not. I mean, to, to call this mission creep presupposes that they that they were never going to abuse it and expand it to this point which i think talking about uh, you working with tech to focus on domestic terrorism i in, i think in many instances it was a way for people to control speech and conversation using these platforms but this is wild they say that allowing any kind of false information is radicalization this is a crazy story that is out and it shows that they had been very quietly doing this. Any kind of 
any sort of speech or expression that DHS were themselves to consider dangerous that 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 got their attention. And remember, even disagreement on policy can be considered dangerous. Wow. I wonder what what would the country be like if they actually put that much attention to border issues or actual terrorism or I know we have more on the way. Stephen Yates is going to join us later on. We also have headlines too to get into. And now all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five brought to you by Caltech. All right. So first and foremost, 10 groceries that are in short supply or soon maybe. Goodness, there's this is like butter, apparently. We've talked about how butter has uh, grown more expensive, according to U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. 32% year over year. No other grocery category saw such a rise. Vegetable oil is uh, partially responsible and uh, milk supplies, too. Uh, Potatoes. Apparently, a one-two weather punch means that uh, it was a slowed potato growth. A hot summer didn't help, and so demand's high. So that's going to be more expensive. Olive oil. Beer. Beer is going to be more expensive. Spaghetti sauce, turkey, rice, hard red winter wheat, winter wheat, baby formula, as we all knew. So why are are we still dealing with these issues? For the love of all things holy, why? Uh, Also, a school bus driver was charged with drunk driving on a field trip. Good heavens, this is out in Centerville, Centerville, Virginia, according to Associated Press. Bus driver from an elementary school was charged with driving while intoxicated. His bus feared into a ditch while returning from a trip, a field trip to a farm. Nine children were treated at the scene for minor injuries, 44 kids and four adults. They said they hit a, a, a rock and veered into a ditch. Good heavens. So that guy was charged. He failed the field sobriety test. He had a blood alcohol content of 0.20. Wouldn't double the legal limit of 0.08. And 18 safety violations. Also, apparently, he already had a suspended license. Who is vetting those people? A Colorado train passenger just ha- was just like enjoying the scenery, looked out the window, and found a missing hiker. What? Yeah, the passenger was riding Colorado's Durango and Silverton Narrow Gauge Railroad October 10th. She spotted the hiker through the window, alerted the train conductor. The hiker from New Mexico had gone missing after she began a hike on Colorado Trail. And uh, she had fallen and broken her leg, spent two nights injured in the wilderness, and she survived. Two train staff were trained medics. They crossed a river, stayed with her until the rescue team arrived. And she did flag down the passing train. That was pretty, that's pretty amazing. And uh, Irish news, a woman's coffin fell from a helicopter into a field as it was flown home. It's kind of scary. She was, uh, she had a woman who immigrated from Ireland to the U.S. fell from a helicopter, the coffin, as it was flown to her native home. Uh, She, and it was an older, it was like a 1920s, born in the 1920s lady. So this, uh. That's not a Halloween story. It's an actual true story. I mean, clearly they fixed it, but Stephen Yates next. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. Welcome back to the program. Your lovable curmudgeon Dana Lash here with you as we roll into a tumultuous midterm cycle. And I wanted to also check in with our good friend, Stephen Yates, Senior Fellow at America First Policy Institute and Chair of the China Policy Initiative, because last and it's always good to see you, Stephen. Happy Halloween to you. Happy Monday. Uh, we were talking about the Comic-Con that took place last week, and I've been reading a couple of, whenever I read a foreign policy hot take, 
I'm always like, do they really know, though? And so, which is always why I like to run it past you. Uh, because, so for instance, I was looking at a, a couple of different uh, headlines. One, China's Xi Jinping now has unlimited power and is going to use Taiwan as a distraction from internal powers. And others are saying, well, this means because of the position that he is in now, that they are absolutely, they are going to be invading Taiwan at some point here really soon, maybe not. It just seems really kind of, I I wanted to kind of get your take on all of this and and sort of, you know, just break it down for us. Yeah, well, thank you, Dana. I mean, really, this is just one of those areas where if you're a serious analyst, you have to acknowledge what you know and what you don't know. And there is no one worth their salt that actually knows whether, (laughs) when, or how. Right is going to do anything against Taiwan. Uh, They have certainly threatened Taiwan for a very long time. He's amping up those threats. Uh, It would be immensely irrational on one level for them to do that because they can't attack Taiwan without attacking their own economy. But then again, this is the government that's attacked their own economy with COVID zero policies and genocide in Xinjiang and supporting Putin's invasion of Ukraine and all that fun stuff. So you can never say never, but absolutely zero humans outside of the the leadership compound itself have any idea whether, when, or how China might actually make a move. And so the people of Taiwan have to live as if today could be that lucky day. And the people of the United States have to take the threats at face value and prepare. But really, we don't get to know, so we have to try to deter as much as possible and help those who are in the front lines help themselves and maybe, maybe be lucky enough to deter this kind of crazy action. And it would be crazy. You mentioned the uh, COVID zero policy. I saw just a day ago, BBC had a report how Chinese workers, they had been, I guess, locked down. And by lockdown, I meant, I mean, I guess, kept as hostages inside the Apple, one of the iPhone factories. I know they've been trying to relocate things to either the United States or India, but they said that there were 10 people who were who were videotaped jumping a fence outside the plant. It was a manufacturer of Foxconn in one of their uh, larger business areas. They said that they, I guess, I don't know how long they had been there. They'd been there for quite some time, but they broke out and they said that they wanted to get out of the campus. They've been there for days and they've that's pretty that's pretty serious to lock them in. And I see and I saw another picture where they can't even get you have residents who can't even get on a bus unless they hold up their phones and it has this the green code on it. And if it's not a green code, that means there's no bus riding for you. Go back to your lockdown. That's nuts. It's it's even worse than that. I mean, if you get a yellow or a red, apparently an alarm goes off and everyone runs away from you like you're a leper and other people come and swoop in and take you away. So, I mean, you, you have a misfire on this software AI and you're in a world of hurt, China style. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the most dystopian things you could ever imagine. The manufacturer of iPhones, I mean, it's really kind of a poignant story because so many of us have an iPhone or something similar in our hands. And if you went woke in recent years trying to demagogue against the United States for its alleged sins, where do you stand now on what's in your pocket? And so, I mean, it's it's a massive, massive problem for the woke corporate leadership and their supporters. But this China dystopian images, I mean, it's it's been some time. It's just no joke. If the alarm goes off, people are literally, literally running for their lives to get the heck out because they could be locked down for a month with terrible food, no communication and nowhere to go. 
That's in, uh, that, I mean, this is crazy. We're talking with our friend Stephen Yates. Uh, and it's, uh, yeah, they said Foxconn acts as a supplier to U.S.-based Apple. They have thousands of workers at their at one of their complexes. They have not actually provided an official count as to how many are infected. But that's, that's like, that's just uh, psychological warfare. No, it's, it's horrible. I mean, this is the same company, though, that used to have a suicide watch for its workers, oh. and it had a, a very uncomfortable rate of known suicides or reported suicides based on the working conditions. I mean, these people come from all over in China. It's a, a set of parents who are sending their kids somewhere to work way beyond full time in a dormitory situation, no social life or real upward mobility, but they can make a little bit of income beyond if they stayed home. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, uh, for those of us that are in America, we don't have to cry crocodile tears because these people are allowing a communist government to impose this on them. At the same time, I think the corporations that are engaged in this, especially because of what they try to demagogue about climate and other things being a a higher priority, this is a pretty serious human rights situation on its face, mm. and the world can see it, and they probably ought to fess up. Last thing for you, uh, talking with our friend Stephen Yates, you can find him, follow him on Twitter, at Yatescoms. This this is a, a story that involved Catherine uh, Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips, and looking at 2,000 mules, although Catherine Engelbrecht has been working with voter integrity for quite a number of years, and they have been in court over this story uh, and some of the claims that they have made about the CEO of the software company, that tracks the behavior of U.S. election workers. The guy's name is Eugene Yu, the founder and CEO of, of Connect. And apparently he was supposed to keep the, the company data in the U.S., but was caught keeping it, keeping it in, storing it on Chinese servers. And that was one of the allegations that Engelbrecht and Phillips had made that they were accused of, I guess, defamation or engaging in, you know, character smearing. Although he was arrested in L.A. County, Last week, apparently, for because of this, uh, and in he had this huge contract with LA County. They were tracking worker schedules, training payroll, and communications, but then keeping all of this stuff on Chinese servers. That's um, why would they need to keep it on Chinese servers? I don't know if you knew anything about this or have been following it, but this is an odd. This is an odd story. Yeah, well, from the election integrity point of view, my America First Policy Institute colleagues are all over what the right processes ought to be that are rational and easy, making it easy to vote, hard to cheat, all that stuff. Uh, But one major, major no-no is allowing any of this data to go anywhere outside of your jurisdiction. Uh, Now, I've seen elections held all over the world. Uh, One place where I've seen it most of all is in Taiwan, and in a nation of 23 million people, about half or more of them actually exercise their right to vote. They count all paper ballots Mm -hmm. hand-filled out by election night. They have almost no contests. They have witnesses from the candidates there to watch the count, verify the count, handle the disputes on site. There's no excuse for us to have any other system, really, Uh, here in the United States. But the last thing we should be doing is exposing any data to storage in China because we know that they don't uh, just sit around and hold that for a rainy day, whether it's TikTok scraping up things to manipulate Americans or otherwise. They don't take things they don't intend to use against us. Yeah, you bring up a good point, too, about the TikTok thing, because it's not necessarily that they're going to do it's it's all about influence and 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 
psychological disruption, too. That's a whole other issue. Stephen Yates, as always, we appreciate your time, my friend, at Yates Comes on Twitter. Thank you so much for setting us straight on some of these these issues. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care. Of course, you too. And we have uh, more to come as well. And that story, like I said, we're still watching that because apparently Catherine Engelbrecht and George Phillips were held in contempt of court. And they were supposed to give up their, in their, I guess, whistleblower. I thought that whistleblowers were sacred. It's a sacred thing it's to have whistleblowers, but apparently not. Not so much. So they're going to be, uh, I mean, I don't know how that's going to, I don't know how that's going to unfold. And that's something that we're still all watching. We'll bring you any updates on it. Okay, a couple of other things. I want to make sure that we are getting into. So this, uh, head back up to, because we talked about the Paul Pelosi issue with the, the, the great hammering. This is still, there was a really good piece in the examiner that kind of ties in not just this issue with the way that the media has been handling the Pelosi issue, but also the reaction to Twitter and everything else. The media fear of losing their ability to act as gatekeeper. And this, uh, because apparently the headline came out earlier that Elon Musk had dissolved the board of directors because he owns the company. So, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you think is, is going to happen? Uh, but in addition to that, they I feel like that because they've when he tweeted the thing about Pelosi to Hillary Clinton saying, oh, there's you know, there's a, a, a lot of possibilities here. He didn't go along with the controlled conversation. So the New York Times ran this hit piece like, oh, my gosh, now Elon Musk controls Twitter and it's going to be the cesspool of all these conspiracy theories, et cetera, et cetera. That's how they view any kind of conversation that they don't approve of as some sort of conspiracy theory. And I'm, st- I'm I think the media is going to get crazier. I'm wondering, though, too, if Facebook and Instagram are going to respond to this by being more uh, draconian. Or how, what their reaction is going to be if, yeah, what are your, I mean, do you think they are? Are they going to try to pick up the slack or something? I think that there may be some of that, but if there is, because right now we know Twitter isn't a money maker and hasn't been a money maker. I don't know how they make money. Well, money just kept pouring in from these supporters. You're the product. And yeah, and as a product, you're supposed to be able to generate revenue. So I think what's going to happen here under Elon Musk is they're going to start seeing Twitter generating more revenue. And they're going to be like, well, maybe these uh, authoritarian actions of ours aren't the best business idea. And I'm hoping that that's how this will play out. Maybe. Maybe it'll play out that way. We'll see, though. But, yeah, it's just it's I'm waiting to see media be more and more hysterical as they are losing the ability to control some of that conversation. That was really the great, that was an equal, a huge equalizer. I mean, when, when blogging first got really big, and I think it was replaced by what they used to call social media was microblogging. That's kind of how Twitter was referred to in the in early state, in the early days. But they, people really lost the ability to control those conversations, but media entities, because people were online talking about it. They would talk about it with each other. They didn't need the middleman of the legacy press to interpret things for them. They could figure it out for themselves. It was a huge threat to their control over public perception. And now that they don't have control of the lever, at least for one platform anymore, that was kind of the first, uh, 
are they going to be i mean are they they're going to are they going to get crazier how's this going to work it'll be interesting to watch we have today in stupidity on the way as well still that you don't want to miss listen to the dana show live on the odyssey app weekdays noon to 3 p.m eastern time Audio Summit 11. Kathy Hochul calls Lee Zeldin a data denier. This is kind of interesting, um, if we have time to play it. Governor, these are master manipulators. They have this conspiracy going all across America to try and convince people that in democratic states they're not as safe. Well, guess what? They're also not only election deniers, they're data deniers. The data shows that shootings and murders are down in our state by 15%, even in New York City, down 20% on Long Island, where Lee Zeldin comes from. And it's the, it's the, it's the Republican states where they have almost no restrictions on guns. Wait, what? What kind of, that's just asinine. That's just an asinine. Tell her he's a data denier. Shooting and murders are actually not down. And also, what's more, it's, I mean, you had to put up the signs around Times Square, remember? I mean, New York has seen a crime increase to the point where people, I mean, there are folks who were around in like the, what is it, the early 70s and mid 70s going into the 80s. They were saying that that's when the crime was like at the absolute highest. And they're like, this is, it's just like that period again. It's, it's, it's just, it's that, it's just that again. They've, they've actually spiked. It's been the highest since the post-war period. Crime in New York City is at an all-time high. And that is, accor- that's according to actual, to their uh, own state government data. Oh my gosh. It's taking a page out of Pelosi's book. Whatever you have to say to win. Whatever you have to say. They said the quiet part out loud. Yeah. I mean, major crime is up 36% this year. That's police data. So I don't know where she's try- where she's getting off and saying that it's, I mean, that's just not true at all. Shooting and murders are down? No, they're not. They're absolutely not. Holy wow. 36%. And rapes have increased 10%. Rape is up by 10%. Grand larceny up 48%. Auto theft, 42%, robbery, 39 not even getting into violent assault and all of that. I mean, that's a whole other, they are up. And the, I mean, one of the huge problems of some of these other violent crimes is that it's really driven by, we were talking about, again, their bail reform had a huge, that had a significant role in that. Inc- I mean, I just, where does she, it's just wild. This is wild stuff. Anything to win. Anything to win. You know right after midterm. I hope everyone takes advantage of the Thanksgiving break because y'all are going to be plunged right into 2024 immediately. Democrats are not going to waste a second. And then that's when you're going to start seeing the questions about Joe Biden. There's going to be some very interesting moves. Don't misinterpret them as people on the left coming into alignment with your view of the administration it is all because there are going to be some people who are going to be it's going to be gamesmanship they're going to be trying to get him out in place of a more acceptable democrat candidate and we'll cover that after the elections all right today in stupidity well it wasn't going to be georgia democrat stacey abrams because she's lying again about her actions on defunding the police we don't have video we've heard them we've heard her lies so many times i thought it'd be biden today
Apparently, there's 54 states in our union. I didn't oh, realize this. Yeah. So let's hear what he had to say. And by the way, if they do, that means not a joke, everybody. That's why we were defeated in, in 2018 when they tried to do it. We went to 54 states. Whoa. Mm. Okay. 54 states. There you go. He said one too many jabs. Yeah, a couple of jabs. And apparently now they're sent, They're uh, charging that DePape Pelosi hammer guy. Uh, they're going to charge him with kidnapping, too. We'll cover all of that tomorrow. Have a great night. I'll be on Jesse Waters' show in the 6 p.m. Central Hour and back with you behind the mic tomorrow.